0: Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and Living Local, sponsored by People's Bank. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and I'd like to introduce your host of Business Talk. He's editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here is George O'Brien.
1: Okay, welcome everyone to another episode of Business Talk. Uh, I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West. We have a great show for you today. Uh, We're going to get to it in just a minute, but first we need to hear this message from our sponsor, People's Bank. Thank you for listening to the Business Talk Podcast, sponsored by People's Bank, bringing you the best in business experts, entrepreneurs, and evangelists. Make Business Talk your innovation break for ideas and inspiration. People's Bank, where commercial banking can fuel your growth and make work life easier. Member FDIC, DIF equal housing lender. Bank at peoples.com slash business. Okay, we are back. And as I said, we have a very special show for you today. Uh, It's one presented by Business West and Comcast Business. Uh, My guest is Ivan Sheffrin. He's the Executive Director for Comcast Business Managed Security Services. How are you today, Ivan?
0: Doing well, George. It's great to be here.
1: And welcome to the show. Uh, Glad to have you on. Uh, Comcast Business has done a lot of things with us over the years. Uh, Very informative. Uh, Done a lot to help educate uh, small businesses and large businesses alike on a, a lot of different topics. And we're gonna devote the podcast today to the broad subject of cybersecurity and keeping your business safe. Uh, let's start by talking a little bit about you and uh, your role with Comcast.
0: Uh, sure, so uh, you already mentioned my, ta- my title. Thank you very much. Um, I'm responsible for a number of Comcast services that help our customers, our commercial business customers, Uh, protect protect themselves against cybersecurity threats. Um, For example, uh, distributed denial of service attacks via our DDoS mitigation service, which uh, are are quite a big threat. Um, Also uh, something called managed detection and response, which uh, uh, we have a 24-7 security operations center that monitors our customers' environments for them. And also endpoint detection and response is another uh, offering that I'm responsible for that monitors our customers' endpoints and servers, um, for example, to help protect them against ransomware.
1: Interesting. So this is a topic that we generally hear about when there's a massive breach, a credit card company or an ad line or, or one of those large-scale news stories that uh, kind of leads the, the nightly news. But this is a, a subject that companies need to be thinking about all the time, uh, and maybe something that not enough of them are paying a, as much attention to as they should. Uh, have the breaches in, in recent years uh, bought business owners to the point where they're, they're paying enough attention to
0: this? Well, certainly the ones that have already been attacked – yeah. Um, you know, they say uh, cybersecurity is a bit like riding a motorcycle, right? There are two kinds of uh, companies, the ones that have been breached and the ones that are going to be breached um, or for a motorcycle, the ones people who've had an accident and the ones who are going to have an accident, it's kind of inevitable. And you have to do the best you can to prepare yourself because it's coming. That's the, uh, that's the world we live in these days. And um you know it, it it doesn't discriminate by size of company um, you know large companies like comcast and and fortune 500 companies you know we have large teams and and great technologies and and great processes um, but small businesses and mid-sized businesses are actually three times more likely to get breached than the large companies we just released a report around our security edge product <clears throat> that's available on the comcast website and it notes that that very fact and so it, it's not just the large guys like us with uh, um, lots of valuable intellectual property or, or banks or whatever it's small business that's often the threat because or the the at greatest risk because they don't have the same defenses that we do at the large companies.
1: Well, you're right about that. This is something that uh, people think just happens to somebody else. It, it won't happen to them. And then after it happens to them, they think, oh, well, okay, why didn't we do this? And why wouldn't he do that? So uh, we're here to talk today about uh, the problem, uh, what companies can do, uh, what logical steps that they can take. Uh, let's start by just talking about uh, who the bad guys are here. These are kind of shadowy figures that exist uh, uh, in the background somewhere. A lot of people think they're in foreign countries or other states. Uh, sometimes they may be right around the corner, but who are the bad guys? And then talk quickly about how they get in. And then we're going to segue into how we can keep them from getting in. And then we're going to talk about what happens once they get in, if they get in. I think that that's a lot all at once, but uh, let's that's start a lot. with who the bad guys are.
0: And it's a it's a pretty complicated subject, but I'm going to try and keep it simple because it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, you, you can think about it in very uh, simple terms. So I'll I'll do my best to uh, to help you guys out there. Um, how do the bad guys get in, and who are they? Well, you you asked who they are first. Um, it's not just foreign nation states um, like Russia or China or whoever it is attacking large government installations, defense industries, and so forth. Um, it's also organized crime. <clears throat> and that, those organized crime groups operate both uh, in the U.S. as well as overseas. Um, in fact, the majority of attacks originate from, at least against North American companies, originate within North America. Um, so it's not always, you know, <laughs> these, uh, the, these dark and murky groups that you hear about. Um, It's often, you know, the people next door, metaphorically speaking. Uh, It it is largely organized crime um, these days. It has become a business. You know, 20, 30 years ago, you'd hear about the hacking teenager that was having a lark trying to do something. But these days, it's really organized crime groups who are in it for the money. And there's a, uh, actually a black market, a dark web marketplace where the assets for hacking and so forth are traded um, to, and, and go to the highest bidder. There, there are e-commerce sets, websites set up on the dark web where you can buy hacking services very inexpensively. And it doesn't take, for example, the DDoS attack, you don't have to be tactical in order to launch one. In fact, many of the DDoS attacks against schools, for example, are launched by their students who want to get out of uh, taking a test. <laughs> so they bring down the IT network in the school. It, it, and it can cost as little as 5 to $10 to, uh, uh, to create a DDoS attack, for example. Huh. Um, it, it's really uh, the wild, wild west. And now you've got You've, you've all probably heard of phishing attacks where Trump, somebody tries to get your credentials by sending uh, spurious emails. Um, and those are now being sold as a service as well. So that, that I think that addresses your question about who is doing it. Um, and now let's talk about how and how do uh, the bad guys get into our networks and and cause all this trouble well there are four major avenues uh that data breaches start with or or what we call in the business attack vectors um and they pervade all at the end of the day they really pervade all these data breaches and the highest one honestly starts with credential credential theft which is almost 50% uh, the cause of almost 50% of the data breaches. And credential theft is, you know, your password and uh, and username, um, right? And these can be sold online. Um, there are brokers, uh, credential brokers or identity brokers, where you can say, hey, I, I need the CEO or I need the business manager or I need the IT manager at this group of companies or for this uh, vertical sector, like uh, hospitals, let's say, or healthcare organizations. And you can go buy them for, uh, you know, uh, very inexpensively. So this the credential theft is the biggest. Uh, next, it's closely followed by phishing. And phishing is another form of credential theft often where they're trying to harvest your uh, your personally identical in- identifiable information PII or credentials um, via spurious emails, or they're trying to get you to click on a link uh, where you think you're visiting a legitimate website. And uh, it, it, it actually goes to a malicious website and downloads malware to harvest credentials. So The first one, credential theft, is where your credentials have already been stolen. And phishing is where they're trying to get credentials where they can't buy them already. And phishing is probably about 18 or so percent of the data breach causes. And then next is what we call exploited vulnerabilities. So vulnerabilities, that's a fancy word for um, I, I think you all are familiar with you know, the Windows updates or the Chrome or browser updates that are you know, we deal with on a daily, if not a weekly basis. Um, and these these are vulnerabilities or or bugs in the software we all use every day. Um, for Word, for Microsoft, for, you know, thousands of applications that's uh, on which the economy depends, um, where somebody's discovered a way to exploit some of these bugs and mistakes in the software uh, to do malicious things, essentially to get in and install some software and, and, and escalate the privileges so they have administrative privileges and can install new software on that computer and and find and steal your information. So that's the third one, Um, that's exploited vulnerabilities. Um, So the message there is, uh, by the way, well, we'll we'll get to how to address all these next. And then last is an interesting uh, category called botnets, which is a conjunction an acronym, you know. Everybody in technology loves acronyms, but it's a robot network essentially, and these are millions of computers worldwide, including in the United States, where people didn't patch the vulnerabilities or weren't able to patch the vulnerabilities and and keep the software up to date, and the bad guys got in and have taken over those machines and repurposed them to their malicious intent. This could be a video camera or your refrigerator at home. It could be your computer at work. It could be a server in the cloud. Literally millions of computers have been compromised this way, and they're directed remotely to do various types of malicious things, such as DDoS attacks, such as e-commerce click fraud, uh, such as participating in ransomware um, and, and and so forth. There, there are many different types of attack vectors that these botnets can be used for. And these are also traded on the dark uh, web marketplace uh, across organized crimes groups. There's some interesting work that we've been starting to do research on around the economics of, uh, of these botnets and how these assets get traded. Um, and the botnets get repurposed as best they can, um, based on where where criminals can make the more mo- the most money. So if uh, you know, crypto mining is one of the malicious things botnets are used used for, and uh, crypto mining uh, has gone down as a, a type of attack recently because cryptocurrency prices have gone down. Right, that's kind of a logical economic supply and demand equation. So those are the four main ways uh, uh, the bad guys get in. Credential theft, phishing, exploited vulnerabilities, and botnets.
1: So It sounds all very sophisticated. It sounds like the technology that the bad guys are using keeps getting ever more sophisticated. Now, how, how are we trying to keep up with them? And, and now we're going to segue into the, the conversation about you know, what businesses can do. It sounds like uh, it's very difficult to stop these people if they're determined to get in. Uh, Talk about the basic strategies for doing that.
0: Sure. Um, The first thing I wanna say is there are some really simple things anybody can do uh, to protect yourselves and protect your companies. Um, For example, using strong password policies and using a password manager to generate, you know, long random uh, passwords, um, and uh, using what's called multi-factor or two-factor authentication, which is a second code that you enter in after your password. All these are relatively simple to do, and they don't take, uh, a, you know, a rocket scientist or a cybersecurity expert to implement. Um, it's. It boils down to, George, it boils down to basic cyber, what we call cybersecurity hygiene, right? You wouldn't leave your windows unlocked when you park your car in your driveway, or you shouldn't. Some people do in my neighborhood all the time, and then they complain about their cars getting rifled through at night. Um, and, uh, yeah, don't leave your windows open. So, um, you know, patch your software, Um patch your software, keep it up to date with the latest security releases. Um, you know that's that's a very easy thing to do. only takes 5, 10, maybe 15 minutes out of you know your week. Um, and yet it's a lot of things people uh, a lot of times people neglect to do the basics. Um, and companies, you know, small businesses, they're trying to sell you know food or or, or shipping or whatever you know healthcare, uh, dentists, your your local business, everybody's you know busy as ever, trying to just uh, stay ahead with you know in times of economic uncertainty. But you, the risk of not doing anything and just doing not doing even the basics is too high now. Um, I know. I, I'll share a quick story with you. Sure. A few years ago. I helped a small healthcare practice with maybe ten or twelve different offices in the Northeast, actually in New York State, and uh, they had been their their whole payroll had been stolen at the end of the day. Without going into how it happened or what was done about it, but at the end of the day, you know, an administrator was using her laptop at home to do payroll, um, the payroll manager, and uh, made a mistake and hadn't patched that computer and it made it very easy for the attackers to get in. And, um, they, uh, they stole the company's whole payroll for a month in a, a small business. That's, that's not hard to survive or that's not, uh, not easy to survive. So just doing the basics is super important. Um, I you asked that, the importance of ahead.
1: training when it comes to, to this, uh, could you speak about, uh, training and, and what are companies, uh, need to hire somebody to do this? And if so, uh, who they can bring in to, to train their people on how to do these things?
0: Sure. Um, training could be both online or in person. And honestly, you know, I would recommend starting with the online as the, uh, 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 the first step. And because phishing and email is such a high vector or way for people, the bad guys, to get in, um, At a minimum, everybody should be requiring their employees to go through online training once a year, if not twice a year, um, to uh, uh, make sure they know not to click on strange links uh, to if an email comes to you from outside your company, from somebody who's not trusted, then be super careful. Um, Don't necessarily open every attachment that somebody sends you. Uh, don't load, and this is a, not always an intuitive one, but don't load the images in an email. Turn that off in your email settings because malware can be embedded inside images, believe it or not, um, on, on your uh, in your email. So do that online training to uh, have user awareness about how to handle email. Um, and then do testing. Right, so these uh, anti-phishing services, um, without naming any vendors here, uh, you know, a lot of them have phishing tests where they'll send non-malicious but um, you know inappropriate emails that with links that people shouldn't be clicking on or attachments they shouldn't open as a way of testing the user education. And then you've got you know a set of ten or twenty people in your business or a hundred or however big your business is that you can then go ask them to, you know, retake the testing to uh, make sure it doesn't happen again. Simple things like that, um, you know, that should be part of every company's policy.
1: Okay. You're listening to Business Talk, a podcast sponsored by People's Bank and presented this week by Business West and Comcast Business. We're talking to Ivan Schifrin. He's the Executive Director for Comcast Business Managed Security Services. So, Ivan, what happens after there's a breach? I mean, obviously, we want to prevent one. Uh, We want to devote uh, our energies to keeping this from happening. But once it does, uh, what happens then, uh, especially if it's a a case of ransomware?
0: Well, um, you know, that's trouble for sure. Uh, One of the things that every company should do to protect themselves in advance, so I'm stepping back to the last topic here, George, if you would, is back up your data, Um, right? A lot of people don't bother to back up their critical data or don't back it up uh, on uh, frequently enough to be able to recover it. And then you need to practice that data recovery across all the key players in your organization. So one of the things a small business, just actually a friend of mine, runs a, a small insurance brokerage um, and been around for years. And they have a great backup policy. They got hit with ransomware where an employee had clicked an inappropriate link in an email, in fact. And uh, they didn't have to pay the ransom because they recovered their data the next day and just reinstalled it. And uh, that's the best case scenario. Um, There's no guarantee if you get hit with ransomware and you pay the ransom that you're even going to get your data back. Right. So a lot of you're dealing with criminals here. They're not necessarily necessarily going to honor their promise to decrypt your data. And then the other issue is a lot of the times during these ransomware encryption attacks, um, the data gets corrupted. So even if they would give you the key, there's no guarantee you're going to get it back. So having really good data backup and recovery is super important. And there are new, uh, there are new features in uh endpoint detection and response tools, which by the way, Comcast has endpoint detection and response, which is where we can monitor 24 by seven, our customers environments to look for things like ransomware attacks and other attack vectors. But they have a rollback feature, right? So you can roll back up to 14 days of, uh, so if you were hit, you know, a week ago, and you only, it took them a week to uh, encrypt your corporate file storage that everybody shares, then you can roll back those systems to a week earlier. But uh, the other thing that's important to do is immutable storage, right? So one of the techniques that most attackers use these days is they'll try and encrypt or destroy the backups. So you wanna keep those backups well protected and make sure they can't be changed. After after they've been recorded, even by somebody with administrative provisions or privileges, I should say. So those are some of the steps that are important to do uh, after an attack. Is make sure. Yeah. The other thing is you have to know where your assets are or or your crown jewels, so to speak. Right. So every business is different, um, but your customer list, your your, your Billing and inventory, your intellectual property, where are the key parts of your data? You have to know that in advance so that you can recover them after the fact. And you need to plan and protect yourselves and practice these recovery drills, right? And there's lots of online resources for doing this. So it's easy to self educate. You don't need to hire some expensive consultant uh, just to get started. And then, of course, law enforcement plays a role. Um, So My recommendation, if you get attacked, is always to bring in law enforcement um, and uh, and because they have dedicated cybersecurity resources, of course, that uh, can help you try and recover your data. And then finally, you can also go out and hire a a firm to do what's called DFIR, or Digital Forensics and Incident Response. And why is it? Why is that important? Because you wanna make sure after an attack and once you get your data back that the bad guys still are, are not still in your network, right? You've gotta make sure you've cleaned out the wound and gotten everything uh, back to normal. And that's not always easy to do. So you need to uh, really uncover the bread trails or the breadcrumbs.
1: Okay. Well, in the minute we have left, any uh, last advice that you would give to business owners? I assume you're going to say, if you haven't gotten started, uh, get started. But uh, anything beyond that?
0: Yeah, well, feel free to reach out to Comcast Business. I mean, we've got some very low-cost tools like Security Edge that comes with 24-7 customer support and really, you know, cost just dollars a month Um, that is a simple but pretty powerful solution to help protect businesses against threats like uh, ransomware and phishing and botnet attacks so um, you can start small security is a journey it's not a destination and so as we transform our businesses and go online we have to make sure we do the same for our security practices thanks george
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much, Evan. That was very informative. That gave our small and large business owners a lot to think about. Uh, Happy to have you on, and we'll have you back
0: on soon. Great. Good talking to you. Have a great day.
1: Well, thank you, and thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, This has been Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West and this week by Comcast Business and sponsored, as always, by People's Bank. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West. We'll see you next time.